There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, breaking news. Uh, You know, I I love the fact that there's always going to be breaking news, right? Um, And and really the story that I want to go with is the passing of one of my idols in the world of the NBA. Uh, A man who literally gave me the most memorable moment of my entire life in terms of my, my love for the sport of basketball. And this, of course, was in a day when basketball was a sport and not a political uh, exercise. But I happened to have been at Madison Square Garden the night that the lights dimmed and nobody knew what to expect. The center, Willis Reed, had been injured and it was a championship game and nobody knew whether or not he'd he'd even be on the court, never mind playing in the game. And the lights dimmed and out walks this giant of a man. And when I tell you, I never heard the kind of like hysteria that went on in the Madison Square Garden that night. And it was definitely one of those moments that if you were there, you never forget. Like where were you when 9-11 happened and where were you when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? Now, of course, I was a little ty- little kid, a tyke, when Kennedy got assassinated, but I certainly remember 9-11, I was on the air. So I, I just, you know, I remember that, that night it is burned indelibly into my mind. And this morning I found out that Willis Reed at age 80 had passed, apparently he had congestive heart failure and had been sick for a while. And to me, that was like the most important story. I wasn't even checking to see, you know, whether or not the uh, DA had um, indicted or the, the grand jury had indicted Donald Trump. But now, now there's breaking news, that's right. There's been a delay. <laughs> there has been yet another delay because you, if you're the DA, Alvin Bragg, you have got to be going crazy because you don't have many people supporting you. Well, you just heard Brian Kilmeade and uh, Tristan and all these people talking about artificial intelligence and GP chat and all this other stuff that's creating all kinds of stories and putting them out there on the uh, internet. And there was actually a, a Trump arrest that was, you know, fabricated. And, and AI put together this, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It shows police chasing him, wrestling with him, um, and and very realistic photos of the 
uh, 45 being chased down, arrested, and jailed. And the whole thing was generated by artificial intelligence software. Now, I know that seeing Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit has been the dream of uh, Trump resistors for a long, long time. And they are uh, hoping that uh, D.A. Alvin Bragg's investigation over the money that was apparently uh, paid to Stephanie Clifford, or as she's better known in her stripper's life as Stormy Daniels, and of course, for days, we're, we're on arrest watch. You know, Trump's going to be indicted. Trump's going to be arrested. How's this going to go down? And of course, he didn't, uh, he didn't quiet the rumors when he put out there on Truth Social over the weekend, I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday came and went with no arrest. But this AI-generated photo uh, barrage that went viral, it's so realistic, including the the uh, mugshot and it came under a now deleted uh, I guess Twitter handle called the infinite dude it had his mugshot it had literally still photos of what looks like President Donald Trump running running through the streets people walking around like nothing's happening and police running after him and then police wrestling him to the ground and and for some reason, um, you know, Donald Trump's wearing a utility belt. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's obvious that they used all kinds of footage, not only a, a utility belt, but he's, a, you know, he, he looks like he has jeans on in one of the pictures. But, you know, let me, let me just uh, do my buzzkill for the day. These are not real pictures. And he is not holed up at Mar-a-Lago, Tony Montana style, because there was a whole series of pictures that came up of him with a Kalashnikov standing at Mar-a-Lago, you know, and, and posturing. So, you know, this whole AI thing is really, 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 really concerns me. It must concern you. And how do we know anymore what's real and what's not real? Because we saw a bunch of stories last week. I've been watching stories for the last like two weeks about, you know, oh, the Dominion lawsuit and Fox has got problems and, and Maria Bartiroma is a BITCA. I mean, I've seen all these stories. Then there were the stories about oh, this is what the Fox News hosts were really saying on January 6th, and it indicts uh, literally Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, all of these people. And apparently, you know, now we're hearing from those people themselves and they are, you know, they're repudiating the claims. Some of them are just walking them back. Some of them are saying they're not accurate. Tucker Carlson, for instance, said, uh, I love, I love President Trump. Um, because Bo Snerdly, former producer for, for Rush Limbaugh, he said, what's the deal with you and Donald Trump? He said to Tucker, and, and you know, Carlson was supposed to have said, we're very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I hate him passionately. That's the last four years. We're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is tough to digest. But come on, there's really an upside. There isn't really an upside to Trump, he said. A few days later, Carlson described Trump as a demonic force who could destroy the network. 
However, when he was talking about Snurdly on Monday, he said, oh, let's see, I spent four years defending his policies, and I'm going to defend them again tonight. And actually, I'm pretty straightforward. I love Trump. Like as a person, I think Trump is funny and insightful, he told Snurdly, before explaining away his text as being the consequence of false information about the 2020 election fed to him by a Trump staffer that Carlson then repeated on the air. I felt humiliated, said Carlson, who nevertheless doubled down on his doubts about the legitimacy of the election during his conversation with Snurdly. I thought then, and I think now, that the election was not on the level. It was not a free and fair election. I thought that then, I think it now. And so I was trying to, I wanted, you know, evidence. I mean, there's no way the guy got 81 million, but he got more votes than Barack Obama, uh, Joe Biden, really? You know, whatever you think of Obama, and I never liked Obama, but he's a really talented, very talented politician, and Joe Biden is senile and hid in his basement. So tell me how he got 81 million votes. So now, when people start to backtrack in this manner, it's not surprising to me. And when guys like Jeremy Peters, who I have no respect for, I was interviewed by Jeremy Peters, and he, he, he did not distort what I said. He just left out parts. You know, that's how he does it. And, and I only went into that interview because Ann Coulter told me that he was a good guy. He's not a good guy. And he was the one in the New York Times who reported that in private, Tucker Carlson speaks very differently about Donald Trump than he does in public. Well, guess what? We all do. And Tucker Carlson always pretty much says what he thinks because he's got a nightly um, television program and you can get really messed up if you're trying to keep track of what you said yesterday and it's different than what you're going to say tonight. So I tend to uh, believe that Tucker Carlson may have said some you know, uh, nasty things about Donald Trump. I think in private, I have never said anything nasty about Donald Trump, really. I, I have listened to people say nasty things, and in some cases I have even confirmed that their uh, allegations were true, or I've said you have a right to feel that way, or he sure does, or things like that. But I have never, ever, ever, ever said that I, could, I didn't like him, I couldn't stand the way he spoke, or I couldn't stand the policy, nothing. Because it's just not true. You know, I, I don't worship him. I have a friend who keeps saying, like, what are you guys who worship Trump going to, you know, stop? I don't worship Donald Trump. I don't really like politicians, and Donald Trump became a politician, okay? So he now has to overcome that in my head. But I'll tell you what I like. I like a person who gets things done. What the, what's the point of having a government that doesn't get anything done? What's the point of having a government that runs hog wild over my civil liberties and over the civil liberties of Donald Trump? There is no point. You know, I'm not an anarchist. I want to have a government, but that government has to be responsible and it has to be responsive to the people. And there's no question in anybody's mind, in anybody's mind, that Donald Trump was headed for victory in that second term and then COVID hit and then all of these, uh, you know, changes in voting regulations were, uh, were done. And then lo and behold, this, do this doofus who's sitting in his basement and cannot construct a sentence without the help of, you know, artificial intelligence and definitely his whole staff, 
wins an election. You know, a man that couldn't even get a nomination for decades, ran for president how many times in the Democratic primary? But he couldn't even get enough Democrats to, to, to put him over the top and let him be the candidate until, until the Democrats woke up and realized that Donald Trump was cruising to an election, a second term, and an election victory that was going to uh, make the first one pale in significance. Because let's face it, he got more votes the second time than he did the first time, which means more people voted for him, no matter how you dice it. And then somehow, magically, mysteriously, Joe Biden, who didn't even campaign, who, who barely left his basement, and when he did campaign, 20 people would show up, beat the guy who had tens of thousands of people showing up to rallies. That doesn't make sense to anybody. And you can, you can bang the drum all you want and say, well, you know, it's been validated, it's been proven, all of those election results were certified and all of them were accepted and there was nothing anybody could do about it. And I've heard Mike Pence, there was nothing he could do about it. Okay, well, guess what? There was something he could have done about it. There was something that Congress could have done about it, but they didn't. So the election was lost, just not fair and square. And I will believe that forever. That doesn't mean I want to do something like restore him to office. You know, I have friends who say, well, he should just be given back the office. He shouldn't even have to run again. You know, well, I don't believe that. I believe the American public is going to have another chance to either repudiate Joe Biden and, and that what I believe was a fraudulent election that propelled him to the White House where he no longer can function. And I think the public should be given an opportunity to weigh in. You know, and the good news is that yesterday, uh, his vice president, Kamala, Kamala, whatever we call her, said, oh, I'm going to be doing all the campaigning for Joe. <laughs> Great. I mean, miss, miss unpopularity, right? If there was a, a, a ribbon that they give out at the beauty contests, you know, usually it's Miss Congeniality, Miss uh, Popularity. Uh, Kamala Harris would be wearing one that said Miss Unpopular. And that's the one who's going out to uh, campaign against Donald Trump. Because I don't see any way where Donald Trump doesn't run. I really don't. And I think if he's in jail, he's still running. I don't think he'll be in jail. But I, I don't think that, that there's going to be any way that they can either stop him from running not the Democrats, not the Rhino Republicans, uh, not the DA in New York, not the DA in, in, in uh, Atlanta. Nobody is going to be able to keep him from running. And nobody is going to be able to take him out in the primary. And I'm telling you, you know, look at what's gone down in the last 24 hours where, you know, the big headline on the left is, oh, uh, Ron DeSantis is finally going scorched earth on Donald Trump because Donald Trump went scorched earth on him. They love that. You know, they're, they're just excited as, as all get out. Well, let me tell you something. I can already see how Ron DeSantis cannot hold up to the brutal beating that any Republican is gonna get first in the primary and second in a general election. You know, it's very nice to be able to say in your suit and tie and with your wonderful state government, which you've done a phenomenal job with, to stand there and go like, well, I'm not running against Donald Trump, I'm running against Joe Biden. No, you're not running. How about that? You're not running. 
If you were smart, you'd stop listening to those consultants. Those are the same consultants who talked Alan West into changing districts and caused him to be a one-term congressman, a man who will never get a pension from Congress because he couldn't last for a second and a half of a third term, okay? And you know why? Because he was taking advice of, of, of all of these consultants that come out of D.C. and come out of Virginia and come out of the Northeast and come out of the West Coast, all of these consultants who make a big fat amount of money steering candidates into bad decisions, and that's what's happening to Ron DeSantis. I knew it would. I knew. I saw it when it started. I can tell you it's going to be a painful descent into hell if he decides to run. I don't think he's that dumb. I really don't. Why ruin your chances for the future? Stay here. Do the incredible job you're doing. Build up your resume. And then you can. Uh, we will all support you. I'll be carrying signs. For right now, take care of your wife. She just got through cancer. Take care of those little kids while they're still little. And trust me, you will be president one day, but not this day. And that's, you know, that's what I said uh, at the beginning of this election cycle. And that's what I say today. And that's what I'll say all the way to the end. And if I'm wrong, I'll do a mea culpa, but I, you know, I, I can count on one hand the times I've been wrong about these things. And it's not because I'm a genius. It's because for 33 years, I've been looking at local politics, Florida-centric. I don't, you know, I talk about national politics because you have to. But really, I know how we operate here in the state of Florida. And I know who can win, and I know who's not ready. I know all those things. And I know who's listening to who and whose voice was the last one they heard. And I can tell you right now, it ain't Ron's time, and it will be a, it will be a resounding victory, a resounding victory, mark my words, for Donald Trump. Um, don't forget to have our app, download the app, the 850WFTL app. And also visit the website if you don't have the app. That's another way that you can be part of these contests. You can uh, win a $50 DoorDash gift card so you can get saucy with freaking delicious fried chicken tenders from Tender Shack. Enter now on our app or at 850WFTL.com. Quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, and more good news, right? Because that's all I have for you today. We're getting dumber. Our IQ scores here in America have dropped in four of five measurements. Now, from 1932 through the 20th century, all over the world, with differences ranging from three to five IQ points per decade, IQ scores went up. And the phenomenon is known as the Flynn effect. But now a new study out of Northwestern University says that the, there is a reverse Flynn effect of sorts and is taking place here in the United States. So they took this really large U.S. sample covering between 2006 and 2018 in every category except one. There were slips and negative slopes in three out of four cognitive domains. Verbal reasoning, 
which is like, you know, logic and your vocabulary. Matrix reasoning, which is your ability to visually solve problems or to make an analogy from one thing to the next. And letter and number series, which is computational, mathematical. All of those dropped over the course of the study period. The only thing we did better in was spatial reasoning, 3D rotation. That went up. Now, why do you suppose that went up? Because all we do is look at screens. All we do is look, and, and particularly during the COVID, uh, we really became screen-centered. If you don't get the feeling that there is uh, something very sinister happening and the dumbing down of society is in full form. Compositability scores, those are single scores that are derived from a lot of different pieces of information, lower across all samplers. It doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how long you went to school, whether you're a college graduate or you know, or, or an elementary school graduate, doesn't matter if you're a, a boy or a girl or one of the 180 other genders that uh, they've also decided, you know, uh, that shows there's been a decline in IQ scores that we now think there are multiple genders, right? And, you know, don't get upset, you know. Elizabeth Dworak said, don't get upset about this and don't think, oh my God, Americans are getting less intelligent. It doesn't mean your mental ability is lower or higher, it's just a difference in scores. Well, since the only way we have of ascertaining how intelligent we are is through these scores, well then what does it mean? It means we're getting worse at taking tests or specifically getting worse at taking IQ tests? What does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. We are obsessed with everything being given to us in immediate form. We have no patience, we have no perseverance, we have very little humor. We're not allowed to laugh anymore. It's not funny if someone says, oh, look at that fat guy. You can't say that, that, that you know, that's, that's terrible. You can't call someone a midget, you know, you can't say those things. And we're impulsive, we do things on the spur of the moment. That's what Amazon was all about. Jeff Bezos figured out like, hey, you know, if I make it possible for you to shop all the time, 24 seven, you can get up at four o'clock in the morning wondering if you have enough paper towels and you can go on Amazon and buy some paper towels. So the impulsivity component of how we're being manipulated becomes clearer and clearer to me every day. All these temperament traits, right? Anxiety. Everywhere I turn, people are telling me, oh, you know, I'm really having a tough time. I'm, I'm feeling particularly anxious. I don't, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen? And, and, and w w are we going to have fair elections? Or are they going to take our guns away? I mean, that's all I hear is, is anxiety. You know what's gone out the window? Adaptability. You know, I have a sign up. It used to be a sign that belonged to my um, previous general manager, Steve Lapper. And the sign said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable that survives. I take great pride in the fact that that's one of my temperament traits. I am adaptable. If somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, if you wanna stay on the radio, you're gonna have to spin records for a year. I say, I'll learn, I'll learn how to adapt to that because I want to be on the radio. 
And I truly believe if you get off the radio for any significant amount of time, you cease to exist in this, uh, you know, in this um, uh, realm. So I, I will do, I, I can adapt. You know, I had to adapt to not going out. And that was hard because I'm a person who's always on the move. People laugh at me. You know, I left my house this morning at 5.45. I'm almost embarrassed to say why I left my house at 5.45. But today is my husband's birthday. And the birthday card that I thought I had bought for my husband, I couldn't find it. And now, to me, the worst thing that could possibly happen is that my husband would wake up this morning and there not even be a birthday card for him. You know, that's just unacceptable to me. So I put on my clothes and I went to Walgreens at 5.45 this morning to make sure that I had a birthday card when he woke up. Hopefully he's not listening to this because he'll kill me. But I'm adaptable. You know, I can, I can move. When things aren't going my way, I just change direction and I move all the time. I left my house then, I came back. I did all the things that I had to do. By uh, 7.30, 7.35, we were out at the gym. By 8.30, I'm back here doing all of my, uh, you know, uh, recording for the program today. And then at, uh, at 9.30, I'm getting ready to go to the Broward County Jail for a visit, okay? By 10.30, I am now on my way to get my car washed and to do some quick grabbing of food items. Well, I wanted to get a little birthday cake at, uh, at the supermarket. And then I'm back here, finish my last bit of prep, see the breaking news that he didn't get arrested and, and go on the air. And my day's not even over. You know, tonight I'm taking my, my husband, or he's taking us, to the Broward Center to see some communist Chinese dance, <laughs> which my daughter, who's a leftist, told me is communist propaganda, which makes me think I'm really going to enjoy it, because if she doesn't like it, I probably will. Anyway, let me take a break. We'll be right back. But as I pointed out to you, we're getting dumber, and that's not good news. So don't believe all those uh, pictures that you might be seeing of, uh, you know, police chasing Donald Trump through the street. That's, uh, um, that's a apparently alternate reality that uh, artificial intelligence created. And uh, the grand jury was told to stay home today. Nobody knows why. Um, but that's where we're at. A Manhattan grand jury that's investigating these hush money payments, apparently, that uh, Donald Trump was said to have made to Stormy Daniels, who was trying to blackmail him. Nobody can figure out why Alvin Bragg's office told the grand jury to stay home. They were told to stand by in the event they were called to Manhattan criminal court tomorrow. They heard the last testimony that they heard, I believe, was on Monday. They heard from uh, Robert Costello, who was uh, blowing the whistle on the discredited Michael Cohen. So, you know, this is just, it's just, it's such a, I can't use the word that I want to use. It's such a, a poop show. It's such a poop show, this whole thing. You know, 
um, you got the district attorney, this Alvin Bragg, who has not been able to get a handle on the criminality that's besieging my old uh, hometown, New York City, is a disaster. And all they're doing is, you know, going after the former president and interfering with an election, which is what I said in my, you know, thought of the day today. The, the really horrifying part about all this is that you are, you know, after all we went through with people saying like, oh, election interference, that's election interference. You don't want to have election interference. The biggest fear we have is election interference, election. Well, guess what? This is election interference because Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee as far as I'm concerned. He's certainly the front runner. And if you don't agree with that, he's certainly in the top two, right? So what on earth are they thinking? And maybe now they're starting to think. New York Police Department officers of every rank were ordered to wear their uniforms and to prepare for deployment starting yesterday. Now, that's not just we know that because some internal memo was leaked to uh, News 4 in New York. I have friends who serve on the police force or served. Let me restate that. They don't serve anymore, but they served, and they still have lots of friends who serve. And the memo was sent out by the commanding officers of their operations division and told all uniformed service members to be mindful of protocol around public disorder and be prepared for mobilization at any time while on duty. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're spending all their resources right now monitoring social media to see if there's any announcements about protests, including any kind of, you know, uh, disruption of traffic or anything like that. They haven't found anything. Nothing has, ha has happened. There has been no arrest. There has been no protest. Actually, there were more people in Florida who took to the streets than there were in New York City. So the police department has to meet with the Secret Service. If you were listening to Dan Bongino, not, not uh, yesterday, but on Monday, you know, he's a former Secret Service agent. He, he was in uh, Barack Obama's detail, you know, and, and he said, there's just no way the Secret Service is going to allow Donald Trump to be handcuffed and taken into a very dangerous situation. It's not happening. And, and I would have to uh, believe that he knows what he's talking about. He's not going to say that off the cuff. And so, you know, the FBI, the Secret Service, the New York City Police Department, the people in the courts, you know, the New York uh, courtrooms, the DA's office, they all have to be trying to figure out just how secure is 100 Center Street, the courthouse. Because I've been there. You know, I remember the last time I went to 100 Center Street. No, I wasn't on trial. Was I? No, I wasn't on trial. <laughs> I went there to uh, get a certified copy of a birth certificate. And it's, it's like a maze. It's a gigantic building full of, uh, you know, doorways and hallways and booking areas and courtrooms and, and, and that whole area, all the streets around 100 Center Street, would put would have a, a lot of potential for terrible things to happen, right? 
So now you have all these law enforcement agencies that all they can do is meet and talk about what are the routes? How are we going to get Trump there? If he flies into New York from, from Florida, and uh, do we bring him into LaGuardia? Do we bring him into Teterboro? Uh, do we bring him into JFK? Um, and then what? How do we get him from the airport to and from the courthouse? I, I, I mean, really? They thought this was a good idea? Alvin Bragg and the Democrats thought this was a good idea. And, and by the way, this is a historic indictment if it goes down, okay? So there's no way that this is going to be on Zoom. That's not happening. This has got to be in a courtroom. And since it has to be in a courtroom, that means officials have to figure out a safe way of transporting Donald Trump. There won't be a virtual arraignment. Forget about that. So... Of course, the big questions that everybody keeps asking me, which is fascinating, because there really are concerns out there. <coughs> People keep asking me, can he run if he does get indicted? And, you know, th the answer isn't simple. There is no prohibition against running if you're facing criminal charges. There's actually not even a prohibition against running if you've been convicted. In indeed, Convicted felons have run for the presidency before. So, you know, I, I look at the, the various legal experts out there, and you can see that they're in unanimous agreement that this was ridiculous and should have never been done. Because if you're going to go after somebody like a former president, and not just any former president, but Donald Trump, you better have all your ducks in a row. This better be a rock-solid case because otherwise um, the defense, first and foremost, has a lot of rights. One of them is going to be they want to change a venue. They're not going to let a heavily Democrat city like New York uh, be the place from which a jury gets chosen. That's not, you know... I don't know that they would grant a change of venue, but it's going to muck things up for a while. There's just so much um, that's going to have to happen before any trial takes place that the Democrats have walked, run literally, headlong into a poop storm, the likes of which I have never seen in my life. This is This makes Russia, Russia, Russia look silly. This makes, uh, you know, two impeachment trials look silly. This makes January 6th. Well, January 6th is just tragic. I mean, at this point, now they've announced they're going to arrest another 1,200 people for January 6th. I mean, January 6th, three years ago? To, to You know, what? Are they serious? That's what they're spending, the Department of Justice is spending my tax dollars on? Trying to find more people who went to Washington and basically walked around in the Capitol building, the people's house. They walked around in the people's house, okay? And they've expended all these resources on that, and now they're expending all these resources into indicting and perhaps, uh, you know, trying, and maybe even perhaps convicting a former president of the United States. How do they think this story ends? It doesn't end with Donald Trump silently, you know, uh, going away into the s still dark night, that's not how this ends. This is going to be a disaster.
for everyone involved. And that's why, look, uh, if Alvin Bragg told them to stay home today, one can only hope that he kind of had a change of heart and that finally someone got to him and said, Alvin, I know you're trying to get on the front pages. You've been on the front pages for days and nobody's saying anything nice about you. Even, you know, even the people who are on the same side as you are at, at least admitting this is not good. This does not look good. It's not going to turn out well. It really uh, diminishes and demeans our justice system. And if we don't have a justice system that we can depend on, I mean, it's been bad enough that we've doubted the justice system, that we've doubted law enforcement the way we have for the last, uh, you know, couple of decades, really. And now we're going to have proof positive that they do not apply justice equally. And now it's not just they don't apply it equally to young black males. Now they don't apply it equally to conservatives and young black males. And they don't, uh, you know, and they don't apply it equally to anybody who um, decides that they want to protest. Only what they're protesting is not what the mainstream likes. Think about that. They will destroy our confidence in a legal system that has been the best on earth. And that's what, uh, you know, and, and that's what Alvin Bragg and that's what George Soros and that's what all of these, you know, Chuck, Chuck Scarborough, whatever his name is, Joe Scarborough and Mika Bajinski. You know, I'm always forced to watch a little of that in the gym in the morning. And this, this morning, I literally took the remote control and turned the TV off. And when someone complained, I said, look, I'm not watching that. You know, I'm just not watching that. <laughs> I turned it off because th th these people are crazy. And the only good part about it is that they are ensuring a landslide victory for the guy I want to see back in the White House. That's the only good thing. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. I think at 5 o'clock now, Michael Knowles. Uh, at 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. Bill O'Reilly at 6.30. You know, we got a lot going on here, and I hope you enjoy all of it. Just keep your dial right where it is. I'll be back to finish up today's program in just a moment. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, late night demands were made, okay? Uh, the moment of truth after an extraordinary uh, bunch of late night demands. A U.S. appeals court is expected to rule shortly on whether Donald Trump's attorney, Evan Corcoran, can appear before the grand jury in the case having to do with the Mar-a-Lago classified documents. The U.S. Department of Justice and Attorneys for Trump filed all these motions overnight. At the heart of the motions is this ruling on Friday in which the federal judge reportedly sided with the Department of Justice, finding that Corcoran could be compelled to testify because prosecutors had sufficient evidence that Trump may have used one of his defense attorneys in alleged bid to mislead investigators. They just don't know when enough is enough. That's what it is. You know, the special counsel is this Jack Smith, this partisan hack. He's the one who requested that Corcoran appear before the grand jury in the obstruction probe. And so he found compelling preliminary evidence. Do you know what that means? Do you know what preliminary evidence is? It means like we're pretty sure, but we're not really sure. <laughs> and, and we think the former president knowingly misled his own legal team about holding on to the records. How do you know what he was knowingly doing? 
first and foremost, Donald Trump's an open book. If, if he misled his legal team, he was misleading everybody because he doesn't have a filter. And I don't remember him ever saying, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, I don't want anybody to know about these papers that I, <laughs> that I held, you know. It's just, it's just stupid is what it is. And, and we haven't even had an opportunity, right? Not even an opportunity to talk about some of the, the stuff that's going on in this country that'll scare you to death. You have storms slamming California. You know, I happen to have, uh, you know, two grandsons, a daughter and, and, uh, and her husband living in San Francisco. They have hurricane force winds. The streets are flooded. Highways all across the Bay Area. And it's still raining. You know, the center of the storm is right near where my daughter and grandsons live. And it's a little weaker, they told me, but rain and wind, and now that's moving east into Arizona, into Nevada, and they still got flood advisories. The international airport, the San Francisco airport, has flight delays. I can't even tell you how ang anxious that should make me because... I'm headed out there in 11 days. And this massive low-pressure system that developed on Tuesday set a record for the lowest barometric pressure, which is, of course, one way you measure uh, the strength of a storm. The storm dropped to 985 millibars, which is five millibars less than the old mark. It was so quick that they called it a bomb cyclone. My daughter said it was like crazy. She said all of a sudden winds were whipping around, kind of like you know you see in a tropical storm here in South Florida, because she of course grew up in South Florida, or, or even a weak hurricane, she said. Santa Cruz County, which is a little south of San Francisco, had the worst, you know. Um, downed electrical lines, car crashes, you know, everybody's uh, just hammered. They're just being hammered, and we don't talk about it. You know, we're too busy on a rest watch, and we're too busy trying to figure out, you know, what the special sauce is that Alvin Bragg has been eating for the last uh, six months. He's a big dude, you know. He Somebody said, I think it might have been, Dan Bongino, actually, or, or maybe even Ben Shapiro. Somebody on the station said that, that Alvin Bragg looks like a really, um, well, an overeater, let's put it that way, and that since he's gotten into office, apparently all he's done is chase Trump and eat Big Macs or Burger King or some, some such uh, fast food items. And that's, uh, that's a pretty scary, we're in pretty scary times. Anybody out there who thinks that this is all going to end well? Uh, I, I don't see that. Now, of course, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Chairman Xi Jinping, who told his dear friend Vladimir Putin, that's his words. I, I didn't just make that up. His words. Xi Jinping left the Imperial Palace and says, change is coming that hasn't happened in a hundred years. And we, meaning Vladimir and I, 
We are driving this change together. Please take care, dear friend, Putin replied. And then he waved as she's limo drove away. This is where we are today, okay? The Russian and Chinese leaders are, um, what's the, boy pals. I don't, I don't know what you call them. They're bromancing, you know? He stayed uh, and had a seven-course private dinner for more than four hours. Is any of these guys going to meet with, uh, with Joe Biden for even four minutes? They can't. They, they just can't because he's not coherent enough. But Vladimir and Xi are bromancing. It was a very, very intense, grand-looking ceremony that uh, I saw the footage of. And they walked past all these officials from China and, and Russia, and they were wearing their black suits and their dark red ties and very, very full of pageantry. And then, of course, um, they stuck the knife in and said, oh, anything that we had ever done in the past, we're about to turn it all upside down. Oh, you know the United States, the number one superpower? Forget about it. Forget about it. Can you imagine China and Russia join forces? If that ain't the number one superpower, I, I really don't know what is. Russia just threatened Great Britain, saying there are fewer steps now to a nuclear collision than there have ever been before. We've taken, you took another step, and now there are fewer and fewer steps left. Can't make this stuff up. Don't you feel vulnerable? I do. Anyway, that pretty much does it for me. Uh, I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And we shall see. Tomorrow I'm going to be talking a lot about this uh, executive order that President Biden signed about guns, as usual. He's just always out of touch with the American people. But this one doesn't concern me as much as I thought it should. So I did a little more research. And now, of course, it concerns me greatly. So that's my plan, is to see you back here tomorrow at noon. And uh, stay well. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.